to Building Stronger Creatives, a fitness podcast for musicians, artists, nerds, and former misfits. I'm a former out-of-shape professional musician turned personal trainer and nutrition coach to hundreds of clients, and I'll give you no-nonsense information about what it really takes to get and stay fit within the context of a creative life. Here, you'll find practical advice on strength and endurance training, sane and simple nutrition, habit building, and time management tools to help you make lifestyle changes that actually stick. Most fitness coaches have no clue what it really means to be a creative, whether you're a professional or a passionate hobbyist. I'm different. I've been where you are, and I share your values. Let me show you how you can use the gym to build a kick-ass creative life. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Building Stronger Creatives. I'm very excited today to talk to Wes Showdub Showalter. Yes, I'm going to let Wes introduce himself in a second. Uh, Wes and I met, I think it was 2017. I don't know if he remembers this, but we were at a Strength Faction event in Chicago. And he was sitting next to me and I didn't know him. And he was like very loud and had great energy. And that was like my introduction to Strength Faction, which is this part mastermind, part mentoring, part community program that Wes actually runs now. And then recently Wes moved back to Chicago and he started working at my gym. So I've gotten to spend, you know, some more time with him, getting to know him. And I am really excited to let you get to know him a little bit on the episode today. So Wes, why don't you tell the people a little more about who you are and what you do? All right. I'll make this like real brief because sometimes I listen to podcasts or like I go to lectures and people talk about like their life story about fitness stuff. So Here's like the nuts and bolts of it. My name is Wes Showdub, aka or Wes Showalter. Uh, I'm 34. My first internship was when I was like 18, shadowing sessions and whatnot. Went to school for kinesiology, played sports at Penn State, graduated, had a bunch of internships, all that jazz. Originally was going to go the strength and conditioning route with athletes, ended up going the gen pop route, and I'm very happy that I did. I love it. It is very fulfilling. I've done one-on-ones, groups, semi-private, online, strength faction, and currently uh, I do on, I do one-on-ones at Hi-Fi, which is where you rent space as well, which is a good time. Uh, I do groups at a spot here in Chicago called Studio 3, and then I do some online like coaching and whatnot through like training apps, have some virtuals, and then strength faction, which I actually right before this got off a meeting with Ross and we prep for next week and with that, I essentially like mentor and talk to other coaches and fitness professionals about all kinds of things. And we help people problem solve. And it's, it's fun. Cause I get a lot out of it too. And like, we had a call yesterday and we started talking about all this marketing stuff and I was like sitting there taking notes. So it's like, not just me, the one barking at people or whatever, but you know, collectively it's a whole shebang a bang. I basically only, well, I've lived in Pennsylvania, Illinois, Pennsylvania and Illinois. So specifically state college, like central PA, then Chicago, 2013 to 2017, Philly 2017 until this past July. And then I moved back this past July and I freaking love Chicago. So I'm back like a vertebrae, back with the posterior chain. Yeah. And that's my cat Cheeto. Anyway, so that's my thing. Chicago's glad to have you back for sure. <laughs> yeah, I love it here. So for anyone who um, is listening, who does happen to be a fitness coach or alternatively, I have to say I've had over the years quite a few people that I knew from the music world reach out to me and ask me about what does it take to become a personal trainer or a strength coach? 
and I always, always refer people to Strength Faction. So it was a program. This is like unplanned, but since Wes is mentioning it, I want to just give them a little shout out. It was something that I did for a long time, like five years. And I've done quite a lot of different certifications and courses. And that was by far the most helpful, most comprehensive thing that I ever did. So can't recommend it enough, even if you're sort of like fitness industry curious, I guess. It's a group of like cool people who kind of give it to you straight and get you started on the right foot if you do decide you want to do this as like a side hustle or potentially switch careers like I did years ago. So Wes, I want to ask you to define for the listeners what gen pop means. And then I also want to hear more about why you like working with gen pop people yourself as a coach. Okay. So whenever I say this, by the way, this is just my opinion. So there's any, a lot of what I'm going to say today is my opinion. So if you disagree with it, that's great or whatever. Uh, gen pop is short for general population. And essentially in training the training world, right? You have your general population clients, which I'm going to define here in a second. You have athletes and you have special populations. So we'll reverse order that special populations is going to be like folks who like maybe like pregnancy or like maybe some sort of a, a disability or something they have going on, like a life, a chronic thing, short-term thing, whatever the case may be. Athletes are obviously like, you know, it doesn't have to be D1. It could be high school kids. It could be uh, older people, whatever the case may be, but they're training specifically for a sport. So there's a lot more variables that come into play, like in season, out of season, off season, uh, what position they play, you know, coaches, location, yada, yada, yada. And then you have general population folks, which is the majority of people that trainers like myself and yourself train. And that's going to be, I don't want to just say like your everyday muggle or like something like that, but this is like, you know, regular people could be anything. It could be corporate America, it can be young, can be old, but they're, you know, they're not competing in anything necessarily. And they're not, I don't want to say compromise, but they don't have anything, any, special circumstances going on that would make them to be considered like special population. So like regular folks, nine times out of 10 goals are going to be things like they want to be out of pain. They want to move better. They want to lose weight. They want to look better. They want to feel better, whatever the case may be. There's, there's other goals as well, but uh, that to me in a nutshell is like general population. And that is the majority of clients for people like you and me and stuff like that. Yeah. And I would assume most people listening to this would fall into that category. There's some overlap with athletes, for example, if you also compete in some sort of endurance race or something. But for the most part, I think that uh, unless you're competing in athletics on like a regular basis, pretty much everything that Wes is going to say is going to be pretty relevant to you. I have one little riff I want to say that like is going to make some people butthurt, but I just I don't know why <laughs> I want to say this. But a lot of times, so I coach groups, right? And a lot of times something that drives me crazy and I don't like verbally tell them this. I'm going to, I'm just going to verbally complain about it right now or say it out loud. It just, I think it's funny when people are like, all right, athletes. And I'm like, bro, taking a fitness class does not make you an athlete. Like it's cool to empower people. I'm all about it. I'm not belittling that and the effort and the, what it takes. And there you can express athleticism. You can still have performance based goals and do lateral bounding and explosive movements and box jumps and all that happy horse shit. But, uh, yeah, you're if you're taking a fitness class, you're Gen Pop, which is totally cool. I'm Gen Pop. Gen. Embrace it, people. Yeah, embrace it. I'm Gen Pop. But anyway, that's it. So I work with Gen Pop people, as you mentioned. I know why I like to work with Gen Pop people, but why do you like it? And I'm asking because I, I think at least that a lot of people, especially people that were involved in sports for a long time like you were, the dream, quote unquote, is to train athletes. So I'm always interested when someone decides that they would prefer to work with Gen Pop people, like what they like what they get out of that versus going the athlete route 
So this is, again, my opinion, experience, whatever. So I was like you said, one of the many people were in college. I was like, yeah, I'm going to like get dudes ready for the combine. And I'm going to like do some 40-yard dash stuff and like train these athletes in D1 and blah, blah, blah. That didn't happen, which I'm fine with and very fulfilled with. And I say that because there's nothing wrong with that. If you want to go that route, that's great. That's awesome. You're still helping people and whatever. Uh, But with athletes, a lot of times they already have the gifts, especially at the high level. Like they already have the stuff to get them to where they want to be, especially if they're already there. So like, for instance, I could train Alabama's football team and they're like, however, I'm going to program it. And they're still going to be Alabama. Those guys are like freaks, right? Like I'm just, that's a random example. Um, They have the gifts, all that jazz. It doesn't mean you can't as a strength and conditioning coach. I'm not belittling that. Like you need to, there's a lot more variables and all the stuff I said earlier. However, the reason I get a lot of fulfillment out of general population folks is I've seen the way it permeates outside of the gym in terms of confidence, their, their belief in themselves to go above and beyond and do other things. Like I, uh, and I'm sure you've had clients like this, but like, I remember this one client we, and this is not an uncommon goal, but she wanted to do a push up, and it took, this was in Philadelphia. Her name's Ellen Smith. Shout out to Ellen Smith. She's awesome. She actually texted me yesterday about some stuff, but anyway, it took like, like two, maybe even more like years. And we would always joke like, Oh, it's going to be this Christmas. It's going to be this, but we fucking got there. And the day we did, like I cried, it was most like, not, not that much, but in any case, you just, you see the way, like Buddha said earlier, you see how it permeates outside the gym and the impact that it can have on people's lives. Not, don't get me wrong. Not every client, some clients like we're their trainer, they're the client and they're paying us because their doctor said to come to you or whatever. But there's a lot of people where they start making comments like, yo, my back doesn't hurt anymore. Or like, oh, I, I walked up these things and I'm not tired anymore. Oh, I was able to pick my shit up in the plane and put it overhead. No problem. Or like, I have more energy or I'm sleeping better. Or my, my friend said something about this. And it's like, to me, that's fucking awesome. Like if, if you can have an impact on a person like that, like it's huge. It's more than just, you know, counting sets and reps and writing shit up in an app or a piece of paper. And that's why I get a lot out of what I do and why I've been doing it for as long as I've done it. So that to me, it's um, that to me is why I love uh, training general population folks and something that I have as a goal as a coach and a lot of trainers do. I'm not unique in this aspect is I like to educate people and I want them confident in the gym. A lot of trainers have this fear that like if because a lot of people come, they come for the accountability initially and then they stay for the relationship, meaning I have at least two clients I can think of offhand that like, in my opinion, they don't need me. Like they, they know enough by now I've taught them enough. Like I want to, they don't have to know X fizz and, you know, energy systems and all that jazz, but they're competent enough in the gym to go on their own and develop something, you know, that's going to help them long-term, but they stay for the relationship. So like, in my opinion, it's fine. Like there, there are no secrets. Like if a client asks me something or whatever, I just let it rip. And I, whenever I write programs, I'll give them all four weeks. And I've had trainers are like, oh, well, you don't do it one week at a time. Aren't you worried? They're I'm like, no. And if they do, like, I'll get somebody else. That hasn't happened. I've been doing this a long time. And that's never happened where I give someone a four-week program. They train with me for a week. And then they're like, oh, I know what to do now. And they they rock out. So like the fear mindset, and if you have any of those people, you don't want them anyway. But uh, that was my long-winded way of saying why I like training general population people. Yeah, I love that. It's similar for me. So, well, similar in a sense. The motivation is the same. The backstory is a little different. I was a gen pop person. I did some sports, mostly swimming when I was young, but I hated them. I was bad at them. 
And for many years, I didn't do anything. And I just felt like, well, I'm destined to never work out. And then when I had to work out, and I saw, like you said, how getting in shape and taking better care of myself permeated into all these other areas of my life, like my music school work, like my confidence, my relationships, all these things. I said to myself, you know, this is really cool. Like I can use this knowledge, this thing that I've discovered a passion for, and I can help other people have the same. So for me, athletes are going to be great. They're going to work hard at the high level too. Like you said, they're almost good despite what they do because they're so gifted. Like you could give them a subpar workout probably as a coach and they would still be elite athletes. For me, I really like the magic of helping. Um, you know, it, it sounds bad to say everyday people, like you said, but like we are everyday people, right? We're not going to be pro athletes. So I like helping people like that. And um, it's, it's just cool to see other coaches that feel the same. Yeah. I'm all about it. So I want to ask you a little bit about the coaching experience of people because of what you said at the end there. So if somebody wants to hire a coach, how can they uh, approach the relationship to, and the experience to get the most out of it? So like, should they go to the coach expecting the coach to just tell them what to do and give them a meal plan or like what sort of attitude, I guess, have you seen in clients that have been like the most successful? What are some of the ways that they, they approach it? Okay. So you're talking about, if I'm hearing you right now, I might not be. You're talking about like expectations for a client for from a coach type thing? Yeah. And also, I guess, of the client that the client has of the coach as well. Okay. Well, this is my best answer. And this, everything I say, I have the right to change my mind in a year or two from now. So just let me preface it with that. So in my opinion, a coach should always show up. So they should expect them to always show up, meaning... And I talk about this to other coaches, trainers. I use those words interchangeably, FYI. Meaning like, I shouldn't, okay, uh, I just had my client, the last client I had today with her name is Ashima. I should, she should never show up and I should be late. Unless, I don't know, there's some emergency. She should always show up and I should always be ready and with the plan. Here's what we're doing today. Uh, you know, and and the, the the trainer should be able to clearly articulate articulate the game plan and they should have a method to the madness. It shouldn't just be. And I hate to say this. I've heard this where we train people. Uh, oh, okay. So maybe today we'll do this. Like, and it's like, bro, that's not how it goes. And I'm not saying you have to like completely be so regimented. You're sticking to the script. Like if someone comes in and they slept like shit or whatever, you might have to go off script a little bit. However, the coach, the trainer, they should always have a plan. They should always be on time. They should be able to field any questions. And if you don't know something, and I've said this many times, but like, you don't know. So tell the client, be honest with this client. Like, hey, I, I don't have an answer for you, but I'll get it for you. As far as nutrition goes, I don't do nutrition. So like, if if you ask a trainer and they tell you like, yeah, I can help you with nutrition. Here are the services I offer. I think you do some of that. Yes? Or yeah. No? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I have a few other buddies that do. It's a great way to you know help people even more. It's also a way as a coach to potentially make some more income. Uh, I don't do that. I think it's great. I think it's awesome. I don't think I'm qualified to do that. I'm very simple when it comes to that stuff. So I guess the 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 person, the potential client with the potential trainer should ask them questions, but the trainer should also be able to set expectations. And we talk about this in strength faction. So for instance, when I have a consult, I'll say to people like, hey, here's what I do. Here's how I do it. Like not just money and all that jazz, but like how I schedule. 
uh, how I'm going to do four week phases, how we're going to stick to the same stuff for four weeks. And within that four weeks, I'm going to manipulate different variables like the load, the rest period, the volume, whatever the case may be. Um, and again, just like as unprofessional as I am in terms of like I dress real wacky and I cuss and I say real silly things, I'm always on time and I always bring the juice. You shouldn't have to worry as a client about what mood your trainer is in. And I say this because I've gotten clients where they had a trainer who wasn't consistent. I'm not saying you have to piss rainbows every day and jump up and down at five in the morning or anything like that, but your energy needs to be consistent. It doesn't matter what's going on in your day, your life. Like, you know, you got to bring the, I say this a lot, but you got to bring the juice. And again, it doesn't mean you have to jump up and down and blast Metallica or whatever, but your personality should be consistent. This person's paying for an experience uh, as well as obviously accountability, your knowledge, your education, your know-how, you know, your coaching cues, all that jazz. But like the, the coach needs to be consistent with their personality, with their energy. It doesn't matter what's going on in your day. They need to be on time. They need to have a plan. That's that's my opinion. If you have anything to add to that, let it rip. But that's that's kind of what I've got. Yeah, I think that's huge. I I don't know. I think maybe this is changing, but I, I don't know that people who are looking for a coach to hire understand that good coaching involves a lot of planning and programming. I think people maybe expect that a coach is going to give them a crazy workout and a different workout every time, partially because that's what's on Instagram or that's what they've been doing. They've been going on YouTube. And so I think that if you find a coach who has, who demonstrates to you, like Wes was saying earlier, he creates a program for his clients, which we're going to talk about more in a second, but he shows them the program and he can explain like, okay, this is why we're doing all of this stuff. This is what we're going to do week to week that builds. Like that's a sign of a good coach a coach that actually creates some sort of like structured program and isn't giving you like random workouts every day that stuff is fun but to be honest that's not really why you would hire a coach in my opinion um, i think that coaching is more about giving you like that personalized experience and plan and then of course professionalism is huge i don't see it as much anymore but in my early days of coaching i used to see a lot of trainers just apparently texting on the floor <laughs> that's like a big red flag now huge. if you're if your coach has your program on their phone, I guess that's different. I don't love to do it myself just because I think it sends a bad signal. But like some people are clearly doing things they shouldn't be doing. Like the coach should definitely be there for you. They should have their attention on you. Like you are the whole reason Dude, for the body, show. Body language. Yeah, and absolutely. I, I talk to uh, coaches about this all the time. I've snagged clients because of that too. Like literally not like recently, but back when I was at a big box gym, like my attention is on that. Like, yeah, I might give it quick, like, yo, what up, Caroline, or whatever. But like, outside of that, like, I'm focusing on them and that hour is, or whatever it is, is their time. So like, yeah, body language, like, am I looking at them? Am I taking an ear? Am I, are my hands in my pockets? And I'm like this, like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, again, you don't have to jump up and down, but it's those little details, attention to detail matter. So yeah, I'm with you 100p, 100p on all that. Good stuff. So I want to guide people Maybe that's not the right way to put it, but I want to maybe explain some basics of training for people. Because one thing I really like about Wes is that he's really good at teaching and explaining things that are complicated and making them easy to understand, which is a sign of a great coach, a great teacher. So I want to know more, like, let's say a new client comes to you, gen pop client, um, and they say, okay, I want to get stronger. Like, what are some of the things that you are going to include in their program? Or what are some of the things that you're going to it mixed up the order a little bit. What are some of the things maybe you're going to ask them or look into at first? And then what are some of the things that you might put into a workout program to help somebody get stronger? Okay. So 
first off, I'm going to, like you said, I'm going to ask them a bunch of questions. I'm going to say like, have you worked with a coach before? What are you doing currently? What have you done in the past? Um, do you have any injuries? You know, PARQ form, which is a physical activity readiness, readiness questionnaire, which is essentially covering your ass slash getting to know the client more. But like, you know, do you take any blood thinners? All those other potential risk factors or contraindicators. Like, have you, does doctor ever said, don't exercise, whatever. Um, so there's that level first, right? Because once you gather that information, you can kind of gauge things. So like if I have someone coming to me who takes classes and they're all about doing like hit classes personal training is going to be very different from a hit class. If I have someone who comes to me who hasn't done anything in five years, but they played football back in the day, like that's great, but it's been five years, buddy. You don't play football anymore. So it's like, you know, getting context for where this meet people where they're at. I think that's a Dan John quote, but like meet them where they're at. And some, a lot of coaches have like a formal assessment and I used to, and that's great. But now what I do, and again, this isn't a one-on-one -on -one environment, so just keep that in mind for context, is I have a baseline level program for people, regardless of where they're coming from or what they're trying to do. And then within that first, that second session, I can ramp up or back off as needed based off how I've seen how they move. You know, are they able to, I, and when I say this, it's like baseline level things. Okay. So uh, any, any strength and conditioning program, any training exercise regimen in theory should contain aspects of uh, power core some sort of like mobility dynamic warm-up you know your strength work potentially uh conditioning maybe a cool down as well and then within that you're gonna have your squat patterns your push patterns your pull patterns your hinge patterns and again core within that and again i could go down a serious rabbit hole here but you have like anti-rotation anti-extension anti this anti that um so regardless of the goal, it's going to contain all those variables. And then based off what the person's giving you, you're going to plug in those variables in a way that you can meet them where they're at. So can they properly execute the exercise with appropriate intention? So like if it's a power exercise, it needs to be snappy, it needs to be violent, it needs to be explosive. If I... Uh, if somebody doesn't know how to swing day one, I'm not going to have them swing, right? I'm probably going to have them do maybe a jump squat, maybe a box squat, depending on how they're moving. Uh, maybe a med ball slam, like something with high velocity, pow, like, you know, violent. When you're coaching, that comes out in how you cue as well and how you do your demos and all that jazz. And then again, regardless of the goal, but if you're trying to get stronger, the whole thing is the system, meaning your entire body. So like respiratory, cardiac, skeletal, muscular, uh, all that jazz. Uh, you need to ingest in uh, what's the word, not ingest, uh, impress, whatever the word is, implement. You need to stress the system. That's what I'm getting at. You need to induce overload. That's the word I'm looking for. And there's this concept in training called specific adaptation to impose demand. And long story short is however you're stressing the system, in theory, if you're doing the other stuff, right, you're sleeping, you're hydrating, you're eating stuff, all that jazz, you're, you're going to elicit an adaptation. So if I stress the system this way, this is the outcome. And it's not always a B, right? There's like that whole, you know, here's what success looks like. And it's like up and down, like an EKG or whatever, but yeah, like you're, you're going to need to induce overload. So yeah, they're going to get sore sometimes. Yeah. But they don't need to leave every workout. Like they're in a bag of smashed assholes and they can barely go to the bathroom and whatever. Um, but you need to induce stress on the system via, you know, increased heart rate, respiration, lactate, all this other stuff. And obviously, if you're getting stronger, then that means you're exerting more force on an implement, or maybe you're doing more push-ups or more volume or whatever the case may be. So strength doesn't have to just be more numbers on the bar, but it could be, again, more repetition. So it could be more volume, it could be more intensity, meaning load, meaning weight. Uh 
but yeah, did I answer that well? I yeah, mean, no, definitely. I'm perfect. curious in your baseline program, what are some of the core exercises they use? Not core like a core muscle. I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah. if people are on their own and they want an idea of where they should potentially start in terms of exercise complexity, what are some of the things that you use? So first off, for me, regardless of how how uh, frequent somebody is going to train, that first month we're doing total body splits. And the reason that we're going to do total body splits, whether they're one day, two days, three days, whatever, is I don't want to, uh, not that I'm like worried about them getting hurt, but I don't want to overload anything because I'm, I'm in the back of my head. I'm like, well, if I overload this pattern too many times, maybe it's going to start to look yucky or whatever the case may be. And I want to build competency and every, I want every rep to look, you know, for the most part, crisp, they won't always, but my baseline exercises are going to be things like, and again, depending on the client, I might back this up or ramp this off based off what I'm seeing, but, uh, like a TRX row. So like some sort of suspension trainer row, you could swap that out for a chest supported row too. That works. Um, I'm a big fan of doing split squats. So like, you know, cause I, it's funny as much as I know, and as much as I can coach, I find myself doing a lot of the same stuff. And then within that stuff, I'm just manipulating different variables, like how they're holding it or the tempo or the, this or the, that. So anyway, back to what I was saying. So some sort of a row pattern, that's usually going to be like a TRX row and, or a chest supported row and, or a three point single arm row. Uh, depending on what day it is. So like obviously the first two are bilateral, the other one's unilateral. So maybe one day's the the bilateral, the other day's unilateral. Uh, from there for the squat patterns, it's typically going to be a split squat and I'll have them do that like body weight or if they need it supported or if that's easy, we'll ramp it up. So like, uh, what's his name? Hold on a second. Gray Cook has this whole thing called the four by four matrix and it's like loaded, unloaded, supported, unsupported, uh, supported, loaded. It's It's basically just progressions, regressions within an exercise. Um, there's more to it than that, but that's the baseline. So we have, like I said, your row pattern, your split squat pattern, then you have your bilateral, which is going to be your like gobbled squat or body weight squat, some sort of a front loaded squat generally, or maybe it's even a plate squat with a reach, depending on the person. If they're like really deconditioned, I'm not going to even have them do goblet. I might have them do a plate squat with a reach to a box to teach them full range of motion, or I might even have them depending on again, where they're coming from, do a supported squat by like holding onto a rack or uh, well, however, you can meet them where they're at and get them to do the thing, meaning for a squat that's going to be simultaneous hip, knee and ankle flexion and then extension. Uh, and then for the hinge patterns, typically, I'm going to teach them how to hip hinge first because I'm not just going to have them do a deadlift, although you can teach a deadlift these days kind of quick, but they usually need context. So typically, I'll have them do like the stick drill, like RNT, reactive neuromuscular training stuff, a.k.a tactical feedback which is something i did not learn about until way later as a coach and if you're a newer coach start looking into uh tactical feedback cues and like drills essentially to teach people the pattern so um like the stick hinge drill and then i'll have them do like a handcuff hinge maybe and then we'll go like kettlebell deadlift to the ground and i might elevate them because i don't want it to get yucky and look like a squat um Single leg deadlifts, I typically won't start straight out the gate with one, but I'll do like that bench drill where they like slide their hand down the bench and I'm like teaching them. Then I'll have them do it with a stick. So it's like a little less support. Then from there, I'll have them do it with the bench with load. Again, that would be supported uh, loaded. So like a single leg deadlift variation. And then for your press patterns, typically what I start off with is push-ups and floor presses. And with push-ups, what I'll do is I'll elevate the hands just because a lot of folks, regardless of age, gender, whatever, can't do like, which sounds crazy, but it's true, uh, like a 
a coach's definition of a good push-up. So I'll give them context via elevating their hands. And then I'll also have them doing a floor press because that floor press is going to limit the range of motion. And I'll even teach them, like, I'll do this drill. You've probably seen this. I put this on Instagram. You've probably seen it from other people. I did not invent this where like uh, you push on their hands while they lay on their back and then their elbows kind of go where they want to go. Do you know what I'm talking about? Actually, I haven't seen that, but I could see how that would be helpful. Yeah. Right. So I'll just give a quick whatever but you have them lay on the ground all right and you have them lock out their elbows palms facing the midline and then i say all right i'm gonna push down on you let me win and you don't say anything else you just say let me win and their elbows will go right where they're supposed to be in terms of like making that a shape and then i'll say okay now you're gonna push against me and i'm gonna let you win but slowly and then they gradually boom lock out shoulders stacked over the elbow stacked over the wrist so like Again, those drills, which I used to never do this stuff, and it would take me forever to teach people how to like do an exercise, and I'd get frustrated and be like, why can't they get it? I gave them a good cue and a good demo. But pa patterning drills, that's what I'm looking for, like patterning drills, and I'll use that, that first session with that loaded variation. So we covered pull, we covered squat, we covered hinge, uh, we covered uh, push. And then for core, typically that's going to be a plank. So whether it's a low plank or a high plank or a short lever plank, wherever they're at, like based off. And usually if you've been coaching a while, you can tell by the time they're done warming up, like, oh, they react pretty quick to this stuff or they, you know, they might need more regressions. And as a rule, as a coach, something else that I like to do is that first session, like give people the almost the easiest variation of a thing to do that's virtually unfuckable, meaning or unfuckable, you know what I mean. Unfuckable. Like <laughs> that's it. That's the word. That was a great, you did it great. I messed it up, but that's it. Because you want people, especially that those first couple sessions to leave with a sense of confidence, you don't want to say, okay, I put the bar this low and they went to do a push up and they literally couldn't do it. And now you have to make it higher. And they're like, oh, I can't do push ups. And they'll start getting negative self talk, feel embarrassed, whatever it is. So I want that first session, I want them to feel good. I don't necessarily need them to leave their drenched in sweat and all this other stuff. Like I'll tell them, like, listen, we're going to work out, but it's going to be a lot of education and a lot of me seeing how you move and you seeing how I coach. And if you have questions, ask. I always tell people, like, if there's anything that doesn't feel kosher or whatever, or you want to know why you're doing, just ask. I got your back, right? I, again, method to the madness. So if you, you should ask your coaches questions if you have them. And then I'll typically uh, do some sort of a carry, which farmer carries is kind of the bread and butter. So we'll do some sort of a farmer carry at the end, maybe a sled push, which... Another thing I like about sleds is that everybody feels like a badass generally, and you can't really get hurt. Like you're the limiting factor there. Like, okay, swings, right? If I have someone do swings at the end of a session and they, they're not great at them, they might get hurt because if they're not keeping tension or they're bending their knees too much, whatever sled push, like put your arms on the thing, push the sled, you get tired, you let go. That's it. You're not going to get hurt. Like most likely. So uh, putting people in positions where it's high reward, low risk. And again, I'll teach them the warm up as well. This is all within that first session. Um, but for power, typically it's going to be like a med ball slam, maybe a jump squat, but nine times out of 10, I do snap downs, which is just most people can jump. They can't land. So I'm like working on landing mechanics, but that in a nutshell, and I don't know if I was like rambling too much there, but that's kind of the staple exercises, if you will. So like a bilateral push, a bilateral pull, a unilateral for each, and then a squat pattern, a hinge pattern, which typically is going to be like a split squat, a single leg deadlift, a deadlift, a goblet squat, some sort of a row, some sort of a press. Um, and then within that, I mean, if I'm being honest, those are like, and there's other stuff I do, but those are like going to be the baseline for your progressions and for everything else you do. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of what I do. So much good stuff in what you said. Um, trying to think of where I want to 
begin on reflecting. So basically, if anyone's listening, you know, Wes just gave you a playbook of simple exercises that you can start with. And I want to say they are simple, but they're it's not like, oh, um, if I want to get really strong, I have to graduate to some other fancier exercises. A lot of really, really strong fit people only use variations of the things that Wes said. And he hinted at this earlier when he said that he doesn't necessarily change the exercise, but he'll change the way that he loads it or he'll use a different training method. So don't be fooled by thinking that you need a lot of like flashy stuff. You can make a lot of progress for a really long time just making essentially minor changes to these core this core group of exercises or i mean maybe a little bit bigger changes like perhaps you switch from a, a split squat to like a rear foot elevated split squat which i guess is a, technically a bigger change but even that change alone that's potentially months and months if not years of training opportunities that you have to continue getting better and getting stronger at those movements something that i want to add to that and i love this example and i forget where i heard this but well the first part i heard from chris merritt and it's uh it's this it's the words basic skill and it's like it just says basic skill and then he highlighted did you ever see this yeah, it was pretty bad and say. then <laughs> he highlights it and it says basics kill and that was like for i don't know some tactical group or something like that cuz these fbi i don't know these these badass dudes are always drill the basics and what i'm going to get at here is so i do jujitsu okay I love it, whatever. I'm not very good. I've been training for years. I love it, though. I get beat up all the time, but I still do it. In any case, if you watch, uh, even if someone doesn't really know fighting, if you watch UFC, the submissions are things you learn as a white belt. Triangles, rear nakeds, Americana. These are things you learn as a white belt. It doesn't, the basics work. And I'm going to take it one step further. And again, I'm gen pop, but I'm in really good shape. I'm in great shape. I do real basic stuff. I do chin-ups. Now within that, like you said, I do harder progressions of those things, but there's nothing that I do in the gym. And again, I'm not like some freak of nature when it comes to like my strength or my physique or anything. I'm pretty fit, dude. Uh, there's nothing I do that like looks complicated. It's chin-ups, it's split squats, it's rows, it's deadlifts, it's it's that stuff. And then within that, you know, it's just inducing overload. That's all it is. Like not to make it super simple, but that's what it is. It's like, how do you stress the system, train those muscles, train those patterns, which one more Dan John quote, I train movements, not muscles, which if you're a bodybuilder, that's great. You want to do a back day and whatever. That's all well and good. That's fine and dandy, but I like to train patterns because it translates to life better and all that jazz. Yeah. So this is a really important concept that I'll just explain in case anyone doesn't know. So this idea of movements over muscles. So like your body's made up of muscles, but when we're talking about the way that your body moves, it happens in these global patterns where lots of different muscles and joints are acting together. So when Wes is talking about pushing and pulling and squatting and stuff like that, those exercises work specific muscles, but they're examples of movement patterns. So if your goal is to get strong and to feel good outside the gym, I mean, okay, if you wanna build muscle, you're still gonna do a lot of this stuff, to be honest. You just might also do some additional like isolation work. But if your main goal is just move well, be strong, like have less aches and pains, you want to think about your training less in terms of like today I'm training training chests and tomorrow I'm training back and instead thinking like over the course of a week how many different pulling exercises am I going to do how many different pushing exercises am I going to do it's just like a much more I think effective way to organize training and to like get more out of your strength training workouts 
Um, I want to ask you, Wes, since we're talking about, you know, what you do in your workouts, how do you, so you've been lifting probably for a long time, right? <laughs> do you have any yeah, idea how so many I, years? So my first, I had a trainer. So okay. I was actually, when I was a kid, I was the kid who got picked. I did all the sports, but I sucked. I, I did every sport, but I, and I had a great time, even though I sucked and I, whatever, but I was also like, I'll be honest, I was a chubby kid. And so when I was, I was really young when I started lifting weights, like I was, I'm not exaggerating here. I know it was before I was a teenager. I want to say I was like 11 or 12. Um, and it wasn't like I was doing like double body weight debt. Like I was doing smart stuff. Right. And we can get into the whole kids. They should lift in my opinion. Like, you know, it doesn't have to be crazy or at least teach patterns, whatever. Um, but yeah, I started lifting weights when I was like 11 or 12 and my trainer's name was Joshua Knowlton. It was at East East Coast Sports or East Coast Health and Fitness, which actually hired me as my first personal training gig out of college. And I'll never forget. I was so hype. I was making 14 bucks an hour. I was like, yeah, I'm getting paid to make people exercise. And this is where I learned stuff. So yeah, I've been, I don't know, lifting weights. Let's just say it was 12 years old. I'm 34. So 22 years. And it's not like I've been like in incredible shape the whole time, but I've never like not worked out like ever in my life. Like I've had different body types or different goals or different things I was doing in my life, whether it was sports or whatever, but I've never, basically I never stopped like from 12 on. And then in high school is when I really started getting into it and decided I was going to do this and fell in love with the gym and you know, everything we talked about earlier. So 20 something years, okay. 20, 20 years, we'll say. So how over all that time have you continued to stay engaged with lifting? And we're talking, you're talking about progressing. So sometimes I, I think I get pushback from people. They say, well, I get bored quickly. Like, how am I supposed to take this approach? Um, for a year, not to mention 22 years. So I'm just curious, as someone who has been lifting for so long, obviously you're a coach, but we can disregard, <laughs> disregard that for a second. Just in your personal life, like what keeps you engaged with lifting and like how have you continued to progress or evolve your workouts over that time if you are taking this more uh, basic, simple approach, if you will? Okay, so I actually was going to make a post about this and I probably should now that we're talking about it, how like your your purpose and your your reasons for going to the gym might change over time so when i was a kid i wanted to lose weight then i wanted to, to be good at sports then i wanted to impress girls like whatever whatever it is this external thing and as i've aged and this is for me and i'm not this is going to sound foofy but this is literally how i feel is i never want to be if i can help it on any meds i never want to i i always want to bring the juice and like just because i'm in fitness does not mean i love working out so like for instance on mondays especially i'm like god i don't want to do this and i'm like i literally have to like i just coach four people in a row i have an hour and then i have to go coach groups and then i have to do, and i'm like tired but my thing is it's purpose what i think about is aging and how like and i'm not trying to sound dark here but like one day the lights are going to go out and not just like oh i want to live forever like whatever like something's going to happen i'm going to go out at some point but between now and then i always want to bring the juice i never ever want to be struggling to get upstairs i never ever want to be struggling to put my shit in an overhead compartment in an airplane i never and this isn't belittling those people like i'm not trying to shit on anybody but i think about the quality of life and like you get one you get one meat wagon and it doesn't mean and in fitness it's funny because in fitness and i say this a lot people turn to the extremes and they think that exercise needs to be like bodybuilding you, here's the spectrum okay on one side of the spectrum you got bodybuilding crossfit uh 
you know, Olympic lifting, like, like whatever. And then on the other side, you got Lizzo and living in the middle of that is totally fine. And that's, I mean, I'm a little more towards the, I'm not a CrossFitter or powerlifter, but I'm pretty obsessive over my fitness. So I'm not the normal case, but I'm way more in the gray than I am on either extreme. And so like, you can live in that area. People think that you go to the gym and you got to like eat out of Tupperware and count your calories and do all this shit. And that's not the case. Like you can have a great life and be plenty strong. Like back in the day, I used to crush myself every session. And I was like, I want to be the guy that people look at in the gym or like, I want to slam weights on the ground and the mirror shake and all that happy horse shit. But as I've aged and I don't see this changing, but, uh, it's for me, it's purpose. So even on the days I don't want to, I might go off script. Like, let's say I'm fried for whatever reason. Okay, I had trap bar deadlifts on there. I might not trap bar deadlift. I might do stiff leg deadlift or I might do a hamstring curl. I'm still going to do the pattern, but I'm going to go off script. But the point, I get what I'm getting at is here. You get one ride to get one meat wagon and I want to take care of myself and I want to age well. And I look to some of my, my clients. I have some older clients that like, not at this moment, I've had older clients and I'm like, they have so much energy. They're great. Their memories. Like, I'm not saying exercise is going to make you, you know, not have Alzheimer's or anything, but, um, that's what I want to be. There's this guy, Marshall, who does jujitsu with me. This dude is 65 years old. And with his shirt off, he looks better than people my age. And like, not that I'm saying I want to be shredded like forever, but I want to age well. I'm trying to age like Wolverine and bring the freaking juice till the day I die. I don't I want, ever want people to describe me as a low energy, tired person like ever. So for me, I think about that on the days I don't want to work out, which is a lot just because I'm in fitness and I like post videos of me working out doesn't mean I was like, yeah, I'm going to the gym. Like I'm in the gym all day, every day for years. Um, so to me, it's purpose. I want to stick around a long time and I want to have a good quality of life. And it's funny because when I was in college or even when I was younger and going to these seminars and they talk about like general population folks, they'd be like, the majority of the people you train just want to age well and have a good quality of life. And now I am that person. Like I am 100% that person. So like not every session, and I say this to clients, I'm like, not every session is going to be a Rocky Balboa montage. Like not every workout, you know, there's this quote I read somewhere else. Here's another quote. And it was like, 10% of your workouts, you're going to feel like Mick Jagger on cocaine. The weights are going to fly off the ground. You're going to be amped up to be there, all this stuff. 10% of the time, you're going to feel like them the day after. You're going to feel like sluggish, tired. The weights aren't moving. You don't want even want to warm up. 80% of the time, you're showing up. So like, that's what I do. I just keep showing up. And like even jujitsu, like there might be a day where I'm like, man, I don't feel like training, but I show up and I do something. I might not go 100%, but I'm consistency and volume will always trump intensity. And again, I'm just going to riff on this one more time, but there's a lot of people that think every workout needs to be like, I burn this many calories and I'm dead. And, I'm, and it's like, that's not a healthy relationship because what happens is with that all or none mentality is uh, people don't go. They're like, I don't have it today. I'm not going. And that accumulates. So you know what I mean? And vice versa. Let's say they do keep going and every workout, your red line that accumulates. I have a friend who was like that. And I was like, bro, you better calm down. You got rabbed up. Like now that's an extreme case. That's an extreme case. But yeah, long story short, I want to stick around a while. I want to bring the freaking juice and I don't want to be described. Like, don't get me wrong. I get aging happens. I get at some point things are like, but I'm always going to exercise. Like I know people, my uncle is in his sixties and runs marathons. Like I don't want to turn the volume down yet and I'm not going to until it's time to, you know, pass out and die. But that's, that's, I guess that's my thing is purpose. So that's, that's what I do. Yeah. I love that. It's similar for me when I first started working out, like I mentioned earlier, I wanted to lose weight. And then when I was first getting into lifting seriously, I was really into powerlifting and I thought like, I'm going to be this great powerlifter. And then I, you know, I realized that maybe genetically, um, 
morphologically or whatever I don't have what it takes I have like really long arms and legs which is like not great if you want to be a power lifter <laughs> and I also was feeling a little bit beat up and I've had a bunch of other ups and downs but I've basically arrived at the same conclusion which is that I've been blessed so far with good physical health obviously accidents injuries all kinds of things happen that are outside people's control but like as best I can I want to maintain the abilities that I have and I want to do a bunch of cool shit and I don't want to accept the message that I think a lot of people accept that like when you get older shit just breaks and you can't do things because I don't like I said a lot of things happen that are outside people's control and I'm in no way saying that people who are struggling like didn't take care of themselves I don't want to put that message out there but like in my case can I maintain what I have as long as nothing bad happens so that you know I can continue to like live a fun life I don't want to be like okay like I turn well, I just turned 31 so like last year when I turned 30 all these people were like you know oh now you're in your 30s like everything's gonna stop working and I was like but why like I don't ex you know I don't accept no. that I want to continue to get better if I can or at the very least maintain all the things I've already built so I, I think that a lot of people kind of come around to this when they stick in fitness long enough not even coaches but people that are working out this idea of like I'm working out because it's improving my quality of life in some way or it's allowing me to do other things you know that I think is a really powerful motivator long term something else that I didn't talk about but this is also something is that uh if I so I always joke that like I need uh aggressive music like metal and punk music and i need to lift weights and get things out of my or whatever i'm doing yoga uh, i do a lot of things for exercise i cycle i do yoga i do jujitsu i lift weights but if i don't get that stuff out of my system that would be a very don't get me wrong i have anxiety i'm a human i'd be a very anxious very angry person because people are always like you're always so bubbly and blah 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 i'm like yeah because i get the shit out i'm like i gotta get it out of my system so it's also for me like a way of just getting it out there and it like i don't know there's this science behind this stuff endorphins and you know there's tons of research on all this stuff about the benefits of exercise and your psychological health and all that jazz so even again if it's not a rocky balboa montage it doesn't matter just keep showing up keep working out you know live a long time have a good quality of life oh and i'm with you like screw that noise i'm not saying you have to deadlift a mac truck when you're 60 years old or do any crazy shit but like People like I was at the airport once and I'm talking to this guy. And he's like, You do jujitsu? How old are you? I was like, I'm 34. And he's like, Oh my God. He was like, Why don't you? I was like, No. I was As like, if you're like do this withering shit. away at 34. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, Get out of here. I was like, Anyway, that's yeah, that's what I have to say about that. I'd love to hear more about your routine because, like you said, you do a lot of stuff. And I'm curious how you balance it, how you recover from it, how you think about managing intensity and load. Obviously, you're lifting, and obviously, jujitsu, as much as you say you're not good at it, you know, I'm sure that takes a lot out of you, too. So, like, how do you organize and, and do all of the physical things that you want to do in, throughout the week? So for me, and again, this is for me. So this is the not saying this is everybody. One, I block my schedule. And that's that time is my time. I don't care if somebody wants to hop on a call or book a personal training session. And I realize that there's a trade-off there, meaning like I'm potentially losing income or potentially pissing someone off or whatever. But that's my time. So like the times I book out for my training, regardless of what it is, that's my time. I'm a very regimented person. Like if somebody wanted to assassinate me, it'd be so easy because it's like <laughs> on this day, Wes is here at this time. At this day, Wes is here at this time. Like I'm literally so even when I go on vacation, I still get things like I'm going to Philly next week for this massive charity event that I'm doing, which it's the Philly spin in. If you can if you're hearing this, you can still donate. I'll put um, a link but, in the show uh, notes. 
perfect. It's for kids. It's a great cause. I cry every year, even though I say I'm not going to. But uh, where's it with this? The first thing I did was I was like, okay, when am I going to exercise? And I literally am like, all right, I'm going to jujitsu this day. I'm going to go to yoga this day. And I did that preemptively. Like just because I'm going on vacation, it doesn't mean I'm not going to have beers and have fun and whatever, but I'm still going to get my workouts. And so one, I um I basically I just I block my schedule and I'm personally I like regiment I like structure like if I don't have structure and a calendar and all this like my mind would be chaos like I'm a high energy guy I have a lot of things going on and so for me and again this is not normal I'm not saying people need to do this in any way shape or form but I do yoga three days a week on average which I start teacher training in two weeks which is wild uh never thought I'd say that shit. 24 year old me heard me say that. I'd be like, no way. Uh, so yoga three days a week. Uh, I bike everywhere. So I don't have a car. I bike everywhere. So that is, I guess that's the exercise, right? I actually coach indoor cycling once a week. Uh, I do my own long duration ride once a week, which is typically an hour of steady state zone two stuff. That's just for my heart health, active recovery. I do that on Sundays. Uh, I do jujitsu three days a week and I lift three days a week. So if you do the math on that, yes, there are a few days where I double up. However, to your point, it's not always a thousand percent. So like, for instance, Tuesdays I go to jujitsu, but I'm like, all right, I'm going to train, but I'm going to train for an hour. I'm not going to stay for open mat that long because I'm going to do yoga later tonight. Even at yoga, I'm like, all right, I already did jujitsu. I had a bunch of sessions. I might not try and go balls to the wall. So like, again, this whole concept of not every workout needs to be 1000. If I'm feeling great, like, yeah, I'll, I'll go for it. If I don't feel great, I'm showing up. I'm just going to check the box, which is this concept that the MBSC guys talk about, but I've, I've taken that for myself too. Like I'm going to show up and I'm going to check the box. It might not be as long, might not be as hard, but I'm going to do it. The other thing is the outside of the gym factors I've gotten crazy regimented about. So my hydration, all right. I literally, I joke about this when I teach classes, but I am dead serious. I drink half my body. This is, you've heard this from 800 other fitness people, but I am not unique here. I drink half my body weight at least in fluid ounces of water a day, which means a lot of pissing. I sleep seven to nine hours a night, pretty much every night. And don't get me wrong on the weekends. I typically get after it on like Saturdays. So my sleep's not great, but, um, I'm very regimented about when I go to bed and when I wake up, taking care of myself outside of the gym and then like eating the right stuff. Don't get me wrong. I eat pizza. I eat tacos. Tonight I'm going for sushi. But, you know, I'm I'm my meals during the week. I, I approach it like Steve Jobs. Like I eat the same shit Monday and I don't care. People are like, don't you get bored? I'm like, no. I also do the same thing and I recommend yeah. it to people yeah. because yeah. it's not as bad as people think. And the benefits are so enormous if you can adopt it. Mm. Yeah, you. I mean, I literally get the same stuff at the grocery store, and I don't get sick of it. I literally eat eggs, I eat salads, I eat protein shakes, protein bars, lots of chicken, uh, some veggies, like all this stuff. They're during the week. Don't get me wrong. I freaking love pizza. I have ice cream on the weekend. I mean, you like, just I moved like back grapes. to one of the world's great food cities, so you got to go out and enjoy yourself Dude, sometimes, right? <laughs> exactly. Which, a side note, I have two pizza tattoos on me and a hot dog tattoo. And Is it a, a Chicago-style hot dog, though? So it okay. is, it's, I got it at a Chicago tat. I actually have two hot dogs on me. I have one on my foot that's dancing and then I have a Chicago style dog where it's like, what is it? What is it? Mustard, no ketchup or something. Yeah. Like that. With the pickle and the relish and the pep, the sport peppers, I think they're called. Yeah. I literally have one of those. I got <laughs> that's it awesome. at a Great Lakes tattoo. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I, I'm a big planner and like, for me, I'm not saying this is everybody. Like, I like regiment. Don't get me wrong. I, I fuck off. I have time where I'm just sitting there listening to music, vibing out, chilling, whatever. But like. I don't want to have to think about, oh, what am I going to have for lunch today? Because that's taking up brain space. It's potentially spending more money. It's, And I wasn't always this way. Don't get me wrong. This is A lot of this is within the past 
five years or so like this which it's funny i i uh i don't i'm 34 but i don't feel 34 and like i don't mind aging like i don't feel old at all and i've I've learned like a lot of things about me in life like which is people i guess in general as i've aged and uh yeah so i'm regimented basically i eat the same i take care of myself outside of the gym so i can execute what i need to do in the gym and on the days i feel great i ramp it up on the days i don't i back it off but i still show up and i still do something does that make sense yeah absolutely and i'm really glad you're hammering this message because i feel like it's something that people need to hear a lot of times to absorb i mean I know for myself, there are a lot of things that I've worked on in my life that I've needed someone, you know, a bunch of people to tell me to get it. But this terrible, unhelpful idea that in order to see progress, whatever your goals are, you have to just kick ass and crush yourself every workout. It's just not sustainable and it's also not necessary. So like Wes said, basically a few things will happen. One most common is that you'll get really sore, really tired, and you just won't show up and you won't be consistent. You'll fall off the wagon. Or alternatively, perhaps on like Wes's friend, you might end up with an injury. I mean, injuries are complex. There's a lot that goes into it. But certainly if you're pushing yourself way past your ability to recover, like that is not not you're not heading in a great direction if you're doing that so it's not that you never work hard it's that you have this like modulating approach so some days you're going to push it and some days are going to be just like Wes said check the box days or maybe they're going to be more recovery days you're doing things like yoga you're just going for a walk with your friends but the idea is to like find a level of intensity that gets you results but also lets you stay consistent so like you do not have to crush it all the time and I mean, so I'm also starting to do some doubling up with my training because I'm going to I'm trying to do like more swimming. So some days I'm lifting and some days I'm swimming and I'm trying to like figure out the blend of that like you do with jujitsu. But one reason that I'm doing it is because I know, okay, when I'm swimming, there's essentially no impact on my joints. So it's not going to like affect my recovery in the same way that if I were to. Uh, go for a run as someone who's not a runner would so like it doesn't mean that you're not doing a lot of training if that's something that you like it doesn't mean you're not like pursuing a goal but you're finding that balance that allows you to keep coming back and it does not mean that you have to be like dragging yourself out of the gym in a pool of sweat every time that's not the long-term way that I would recommend <laughs> no same and something else that I uh I was just talking to Ross about this recently is like and I don't know if this applies in the situation but Back in the day, like when I was in my 20s, all I did was lift. I didn't do any mobility. I didn't do any cardio. I didn't give a shit about my step count or my sleep. I I didn't do yoga. I didn't do jujitsu. I didn't cycle. Like I didn't do all I did was lift weights. And I was like, yeah, I just want to lift weights. And I've gotten the older I've gotten. I'm not saying you have to do everything. If you want to do one thing or whatever, fine. But I've gotten well, way more well-rounded in my approach to my physical fitness in terms of like, I don't have to be the strongest guy or the fastest or the most cardiac, but I'm like more well-rounded. Like I, I have a gas tank. I have an engine. I'm pretty strong. I'm not like freak. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I don't know. I feel good. Like a good balance of all the things, if that makes sense. Yeah. So what would you say if you have a client who does like to lift and doesn't do any cardio and they're maybe curious as to how they can start doing more or whether they should do more? Typically, I'll try to educate them and I'll both say this stuff, but I'll also send them like not just like men's health, but like not nothing wrong with that. Men's health is great. Uh, but like research articles or something about the benefits of this stuff. And a lot of times, which everyone and their mother has a boner for this right now in fitness, but uh, like the benefits of like long duration, steady state stuff, because a lot of times when people think cardio, 
one, they think it has to be running. It doesn't. I don't run. I hate running. I cycle, which granted cycling, you're in a lot of hip flexion and knee flexion. So you got to make sure you're taking care of your hips and your knees and all that. But one, finding a modality that you don't completely hate doing for it. So whether that's rowing, whether that's biking, whether that's swimming, uh, something, some variation of that. And then I'll try to educate them on the benefits of it and like tell them like, listen, this is going to help you recover from this stuff. It's also good for your heart health. Also, like you're growing, you're aging, like you need this stuff. Like it's, it's good to flush out the system and get blood to the tissue and get your heart rate elevated. And like, it's good to have a low resting heart rate. It's good to uh, be able to, you know, drop your heart rate by 30 beats per minute within 60 seconds of a hard bout of exercise is a good indicator of heart health and, you know, recovery status and your nervous system and all, all this stuff. Plus, like I said, I'll send them like stuff that's not just me saying this. So it's not just like, oh, well, Wes said it's like, well, here's like five other people that have more accolades than I do. And they're saying the same shit. Plus, I think by walking the walk and talking to your clients about it, they get it sometimes like they might not always, but I walk the walk. And that's why like, I used to never do this because I was like, that's douchey. But now I'll post. I'll post like, all right, here was me doing my, I do it almost not every week, but almost every Sunday. I'm like, I just did my long duration cardio. It was boring, but it's good for my heart. Or like, here's how much I slept. Like not to be like rubbing in people's faces, but like, you know, I'm on, I'm living what I'm telling you to do. I'm not just saying this, like I'm, I'm doing this and look at me. I'm, I'm pretty cool. I'm pretty like, I'm not, you know, some <laughs> super shredded Chris Pinesworth guy, but like, you know, I'm pretty fit dude and I'm a pretty happy guy and everything works well and I do a lot of shit. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, to your earlier point of training so that you can age well, it becomes a lot more important to do the cardio stuff. I do think there, there's definitely been a shift because when I first started lifting, which was not as long ago as you, it was like 12 years ago, maybe. And maybe it's because I was into powerlifting, but there was definitely like don't do cardio cardio will kill your gains you know and yep. then then everybody was doing hit training and then now it's sort of like zone two which is that long slow mm. steady state cardio so i do think that it sort of changes but the idea that you need some type of cardio in your life if you want this goal of like aging well and being able to continue to do the things you like to do as you get older not take potentially not take meds if you don't have to like that's that's a huge part of the equation the other thing that I myself, this didn't happen to me until like, again, recent history. So like, even though I've been in fitness and worked out forever, it doesn't mean shit. Like, but uh, something that I didn't realize until I started living it was the 10,000 steps a day thing. I was like, oh, I'm in fitness. Of course I get that many steps. And then I realized like, oh, Sundays when I watch football all day and I'm sitting on my ass gambling and being a degenerate, I'm getting like 3,000 steps or like whatever the case may be. So now I actively track my steps and every day I'm getting 10,000. So which back in the day, I used to be one of those people where it's like, Oh, I worked out really hard. Now I can eat a pizza and just sit around or like whatever. But it's like, there's exercise, but there's also physical activity and you need to do both. Like, and it doesn't need to be all the time. Like, it's not like you can't sit still for an hour or sit on your ass and maybe binge watch something occasionally or whatever, but like the step count thing. So like having, some sort of a guideline for yourself, which for me is 10,000 steps a day, the water stuff, the sleep stuff, which is something that's really simple. Don't overcomplicate it, whatever that is. But for me, again, I was not, I was like, I was in the fitness and I'm in the fitness industry. Of course I get that many. And then I started realizing, like I said, like there were a couple of days a week where I didn't have to zig and zag as much, or maybe I wasn't coaching as much. I was like, oh shit. And so now 
literally, I was doing this today. Hi-Fi. I do it all the time where I'm like, oh, I got 20 minutes between clients. I'm going to knock out. Uh, I'm going to walk on the treadmill and like put on a podcast. Or if it's nice out, which it hasn't been. Well, starting to get there. But uh, I'll put on a podcast or a show and just go for a walk. And I'll like check my thing. And I'm like, great. All right. I'm at 10. Like right now, I'm already at 12,000. Excuse me. So like I'm good for today. doesn't mean I just sit once I hit that number, but like, that's my like daily thing, which I used to shit on people for that. Like get the steps in. And now I'm like, I get it. Like I get it. So it's, and it's important. Yeah. It makes a world of difference for a whole host of reasons. And I can vouch that I see Wes walking on the treadmill <laughs> in the morning, uh, listening to a podcast or doing like a virtual session. So we've talked about a lot of things that go into this bigger picture goal of aging well, feeling good, doing the things you want to do. We talked about lifting. We talked a little bit about cardio. We talked about steps, sleep, water. So, and we also talked about, I guess, other things that you and I do because we like them. Like you're getting your yoga teacher certification. You also do jujitsu. Um, I do swimming. I do other things people know about if they listen to the podcast. So it might seem like this is like a lot of shit to someone who's not currently doing anything. So if somebody's listening, they know that they want to make a change in how they feel or to prepare themselves better for the future. They want to work out more. They want to get in better shape, whatever. But they feel overwhelmed or they have really limited time. What would you say are maybe like the one or two things that are most important to start with or where you would recommend somebody start their journey just to get the ball rolling versus worrying about all this stuff all at once? I would start with, uh, I'm not even kidding. I would start with the sleep, the water, and the walking. Because most people don't do any of those. Don't even worry about, depending on where they're at, but don't even worry about like what gym or what type. Start there. And uh, Todd says this, and I took this from him, and he probably got it from someone else. But like small hurdles to big hurdles. Because a lot of people, and this is like your typical New Year's resolution person, whatever, but they're like, they want to go full throttle into like all this stuff. And then it's not sustainable because you got to, you got to build your momentum and like get consistent first before you uh, start adding to your palate, so to speak. So for me, my best response currently is 10,000 steps a day, sleep seven to nine hours a night and the, and the water thing, those three. And maybe it's not even those three. Maybe you start off with your weakest link. So maybe, um, you know, you're not great about sleeping. So you get on that first, or maybe it's the steps first, then it's the water, or maybe it's the, the water is probably the easiest out of all those three is out of all those three. So maybe it goes water, then it goes steps, then it goes sleeping in that in some or something like that. But I would start with those three, check those boxes. Once you check those boxes, then you say, okay, what do I, maybe you explore, like, do I want to do classes? Do I want to do one-on-one -on -one training? Do I want to do this? Do I want to do that? Do I want to do some sort of a sport there or whatever it is? Um, but something that you don't hate doing, you shouldn't dread going to do the thing that you want to do. It doesn't mean again, I'm not like, yeah, I'm working out. It's Monday, but like you shouldn't completely dread it. So there's that too. That's that's my best answer. Just start with the sleep, water, walking stuff, and maybe not all three, maybe just one, and then two, and then three, and then worry about what type of exercise because you don't want to do the exercise and not the other stuff. Uh, and then, you know what I mean? Because I even have clients that, and even myself, like I said, where they have been consistent in the gym, but they're like not sleeping enough. And then I finally, after a while of getting on their ass and sending them this, that, the other, they start sleeping more, all of a sudden their numbers are going up in the gym. All of a sudden their energy is better. All of a sudden they're making better choices, uh, all this other stuff.
Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. And I think too, for people, if if even that seems overwhelming, just doing a little better than you are right now. So Wes is right. The water is probably easiest, although I have had clients that struggled with that. So I'll, I think a lot of it is like resistance to having to pee, like you said. <laughs> that is a real thing. Which I joke about it. I piss. I, piss I do all the I lot. do too. Yeah. As soon as I get done with a session <laughs> or a class, I'm like, hey guys, I got to go number one. I'll be right back. Anyway. <laughs> like with steps, for example, if like I've had some clients that we specifically worked on steps and they were getting something like 3000 daily and getting to 10,000 right away is a lot. So the first goal was 5,000 and then 7,000 and then 9,000. So you don't have to even make this stuff all in a week, right? But the idea is that you challenge yourself a little bit and you try to hold yourself accountable to something that's like within reach, but you're still, you know, you don't want it to be too easy. You want it to be like maybe a little bit of a hurdle, right? But it not if you don't want to jump all the way or you're not able to like don't let that stop you like just make a little bit of progress in that direction and it's eventually you will get there. Yep, exactly. Like even and I, I should have said that, but you're dead on the money. Like again, I had a client same thing. She works from home and she's consistent. She shows up to her sessions like she's always there whatever. But I asked her about her step count. This is a while ago because this was like a year ago. She went to the doctor and hadn't weighed herself and she was like, "Oh my god, I weigh this much whatever." And I was like, let's work on your steps. And I was like, what are your steps at? And she was like 3,000. And so I was like, let's get it to 4,000. And so for two weeks, same exact, it's just everything you're saying. And now she's up to like, she's still not at 10, which is fine. She's at like 8,000, but, or some days she is. Still though, that's more than twice as much as she was doing before, right? Exactly. And she works from home and she's in IT and she's on calls all day and blah, 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 blah. So as a coach, I always say, how are those steps? How's this? I say this to every client, literally every client. How's your steps? How's your sleep? Like almost every time. Um, and just to get them thinking about it and whether it's good or bad, just to get it in their mind, like, oh, Wes is going to ask me. I know he's going to ask me. Like, and it's not like I'm going to shake a finger at him, but it's just like, you know, trying to stay accountable. Yeah. So good. So the last question that I want to ask, I know we've kind of already answered this a little bit, but if you have anything else to add, I'd be curious to hear it. If there are any, like, what are some things that you wish people knew about strength training or about getting in shape in general? Maybe some common misconceptions. All right. Well, the first one's easy. And everybody, you've heard this on social media. Lifting weights is not going to make you bulky. And that goes for women and men. Everybody thinks that going to the gym and getting stronger means that you're going to magically turn into Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's hard as hell to build muscle. Yes, it is. It is very hard. <laughs> Especially for women, but also for men. Yeah. yeah. Dude. Yeah. Dudes too. Like, you know, you got to eat this much and train this often and push yourself this hard and yada, yada, yada. So like, it's okay. I, I don't want to say like mediocre here, but like, it's okay to be a check the box person. Like it's okay to show up to the gym. And I don't mean do the same thing every time and not sweat and not burn calories and huff and puff and, you know, be a little sore, but it's okay to check the box. Like I, I what I'm getting at is what I said earlier is like, you don't, it's not the extremes. Like fitness does not need to be the extremes. And everyone I work with I'm trying to think right now. Yeah. Everyone, no one I work with is on the extreme side of things. They're your regular person and they're fit. They're healthy. Meaning health is the definition of health is the absence of disease. Right. So like they don't have, at least as far as I know. Yeah. I don't think they're all healthy. Right. So like you can be perfectly fit and healthy by not doing the extreme stuff, but it doesn't mean you can't train. You should, you should show up. You need to, you need to be consistent. And uh, my big thing, and I already said this, but I'm gonna say it again. 
Consistency trumps intensity. And not every workout's Rocky Balboa. Keep showing up. And if you have to veer off the script a little bit, veer off the script. Maybe you had an hour plan, now you got 45 minutes. Do 45 minutes. Maybe you only have this much time, do this much time. But do something. Because it accumulates and it compounds for one way or the other. And it doesn't, you don't snap your fingers after one week of working out. Same way you don't eat a cheeseburger and gain a bunch of weight. Like it's, you know what I mean? It's those little deposits and the accumulation of these things for better or for worse. And it takes time. So, you know, whatever your goal is, depending on where you're starting, it's going to take time. Like it could take a whole year. It could take more than a year. Um, it just depends. Meet yourself where you're at. That's that's what I'm getting at. Meet yourself where you're at. Be realistic with your expectations. If you don't know something, ask somebody. Uh, get a coach if you can, if you have the means. Talk to people. Read stuff. Don't uh, get your information just from influencers on social media. Like, not to bash that whole thing. We all do that, but it's true. Like, don't get your stuff from somebody who just posts pictures of themselves in their underwear. Um, although I did post a nice picture of me in a Speedo a while ago. I thought that was funny. But, uh, yeah, that's. I guess that's about it. I can riff more if you want, but that's it. Yeah, the idea of like, it might take a while. I think it's important. I'm sure you've heard this quote. I don't. I'll butcher it, but it's basically that we overestimate what we can do in a week or a day, and we underestimate what we can do in a year. And this definitely applies to fitness. Like, it's not. You can't cram for fitness, right? <laughs> I mean, uh, there's. If we're gonna talk about like making weight for a wrestling match or something, sure, you can like lose a bunch That's of weight. That's not sustainable. Yeah, it's not though, sustainable. Right? It, yeah. You know, but it's not like taking setting for a test in college of like writing a paper the night before. Like you can't do a super intense week of training and then expect instant results. But on the flip side, you can do a moderate amount of training at like a sustainable intensity. And if you keep at it for a year, you can completely transform the way you look and the way you feel and how you perform. This doesn't have to do with that, but I just want to say it because I think it's cool. And as much as I hate to quote this guy because of his actions, but Will Smith had a quote and, uh, even though he's kind of an asshole, uh, it's easier to stay in shape than to get in shape. And the reason I say that is I see people occasionally, and it's more so in the group fitness side of things that like, like, okay, I'm getting ready for spring break or whatever. And they show up consistently for like three months and then they're gone. And it's like, dude, you got to keep, just keep showing up. Like, it's not like, Oh, I got in shape. I'm good. Like you keep going. Like it, it doesn't mean you have to keep doing crazy shit, but like you got to keep showing up. So like, stay on top of it like again whether it's you have to veer off the script or shorten it or whatever just keep showing up that's the big thing i think anyway yeah and i mean the good thing about that that quote is true like you work harder to get a certain amount of strength and muscle for example endurance is a little different it unfortunately goes away a little faster but you know once you've gotten a certain level of strength you can take your foot off the gas pretty significantly let's say life is kicking your butt or it's summer you're traveling and like you won't really lose very much so but but you do have to keep showing up and the other thing is like that's that's where Wes said like your goals can change too, right, over time. So you can get excited about different stuff. Your priorities can change. And that's where some of the fun of long-term fitness is, is you can use it to chase different goals. And you can do, over the course of years, you can do quite a lot of different things and have a lot of fun with it. Yeah, it's cool to go from an aesthetics goal to a, a performance-based goal. Or maybe it's a, a, a snatch test, or maybe it's a this or a that, like, finding something to train for. Maybe it's me and Ross was talking about this. Maybe 
you know, you're like, you know what, you know, be cool. Like give yourself a reason to train for something. Let's say you are one of those people that's bored in the gym, uh, sign up for a Spartan race or something like find something that you need to train for. It doesn't have to be, you know, you're the elite creme de la creme, whatever, but like find a reason to train. Like if you don't have, if you're getting bored, so it's like, you know, and it's going to change. It's okay to change why you train. Maybe you went from again, the aesthetics to the performance-based stuff or the health stuff or the whatever the case might be. So yeah, it's cool. It changes with age. Just stay on top of it. It doesn't have to be the same thing. Yeah. Sky's the limit, really. Yeah. So I want to thank you, Wes, for coming on the show. This was fun. Hopefully people learned some things about what they should include in their workouts. I always like hearing how other coaches approach their own practice. And um, hopefully people got a little bit of motivation too. I love your perspective on why you train and what keeps you motivated. Uh, if people want to connect with you, see your awesome posts, watch you chug energy drinks on uh, Instagram, <laughs> uh, where can people find you and connect with your work? At Showdub, that's S-H-O-W-D-U-B, all one word, at Showdub, or email me, which no one is going to, but if you do, it's W-E-S-L-E-Y-S-H-O-W-A-L-T-E-R at gmail.com. So yeah, social at Showdub, and then that's my email, Wesley Showalter at gmail. But holla at your boy. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Wes. Thanks for having me. Thank you, everyone listening. I will see you on the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Building Stronger Creatives. If something you heard resonated with you, I would love for you to share this episode with someone else who might enjoy it. I also always appreciate comments, ratings, and reviews. These things help me get the word out to other creatives who could benefit from this type of information. See you back on the next episode. Until then, stay curious, stay passionate, and stay strong.